Hello, nerds and true believers. You're listening to the Big Boy Nerd Podcast. Now today, I have something special for you, for, you, for everyone. Uh, at least very special to me. Um, somehow, some way, uh, through the grace of the universe, I got the opportunity to speak to the immortal Rob Swift of the Executioners. You've heard his music throughout time. Uh, gentleman has worked for, with everyone from ex, the from Lincoln Park to 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 Bob James to Herbie Hancock to to, to the, even the Blue Man Group. Actually, uh, he I got the opportunity to speak with him. He was really really awesome, really sweet guy, really warm dude. I got a chance to ask him about his particular influences, how he even got into the game, and how he actually partnered partnered up with with the group. The execution is the X-Men. So we got a chance to talk about all of those different things. We got a chance to talk about the the special and important and unique influence of Rock Radio, rest in peace, and his contributions to the art and just Rob Swift's contributions to the art. So uh, I learned a lot of different things that I didn't think I would learn. <laughs> uh, but to tell you the honest truth, it was an extremely rewarding experience and just totally worth it. I really hope everyone listening gets an opportunity to really appreciate it and really, really like love it as much as I do. <laughs> uh, but without further ado, here's the podcast. Thanks a lot, everyone. You know, I just, you know, just to start off, I was curious if you could tell the audience who you are. So, uh, <laughs> in layman's terms. In layman's terms. <laughs> You're hearing the voice of Robert Aguilar. Um, that's the American pronunciation. Yeah. Um, my mom would say Roer Aguilar. Um, Colombian. Yeah. Both my mom and my dad were born in South America. And a lot of people get tripped out off that because they see me and they think I'm, you know, uh, yeah. from the South or something. Right, right, like right. A typical... Yeah average American black man. Yeah, yeah. And I do identify with being black, mm. but there are people out there that don't realize that slave ships stopped in South America right. and dropped off slaves there Precisely. on their way right. um, to, to this country. Yeah. So that's why I'm dark-skinned and, and <laughs> look the way I look, but speak Spanish. Right. So my parents migrated here and my dad came first actually, in the late 60s, got settled, got a job, got an apartment, and then sent for my mom and my older brother. Right. They came in the early 70s. I was born here in Jackson Heights, Queens. Wow. Um, in 1972. Nice. And... Uh, Same year my brother was born, actually. Yeah. 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 Nice. So, um, that's who I am, first and foremost, you nice. know, the son of Colombian immigrants and firstborn American, and um, that's that's really who I identify with first and foremost. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, on on your professional tip, mm-hmm. you are the immortal Rob Swift, mm-hmm. which is you're part of the the outfit, which is the Executioners. Right. But. The, you know, I, I, we're gonna go talk about the X Men and like how it, you know how it actually evolved to the Executioners. But first, I want you to, you know, for the people out there that don't understand what you do in the varying degrees, 
of what a DJ is. Could you tell me in your words what a DJ is and what do you think that are the, the essential beings of a, a good DJ or a decent DJ? In a nutshell, <laughs> a DJ is a person that plays music, mm -hmm. plain and simple. Um, there are different styles of DJs. You have mobile DJs. My dad was a mobile DJ, right, and right. that was my first example of what a DJ does. My dad would play out various uh, venues throughout New York City, out of state sometimes. He's uh, traveled as far as New Jersey mm -hmm. to DJ. Wow. My brother and I would help him pack up his equipment and transport it to these different places that he get hired to DJ. Nice. Um, and my dad wasn't really technique based. It's not like he, you know, for example, at the new school where I teach a DJ class, the first thing that my students learn how to do is drop on the one. Right. Take a song, find the first count mm -hmm. of a bar, right. and then drop it as you're transitioning from the first song you played to the second one, and so on and so forth. Right, right. Um, my dad would basically just let a song play from beginning to end, oh. and then drop in the next song as the as the old song is fading out. Right. That's right. that's really as far as technique went with my dad. Interesting. Um, but he was a DJ. Right. Indeed. Since the seventies. DJ has splintered into so many different areas and genres of music and within these areas and genres different DJs express their take on playing music differently. Mm -hmm. um, some DJs are considered blend masters for example, uh, house DJs come to mind. Right. Guys that could hold uh, a mix for three, four minutes long mix meaning like taking two songs and merging them together um then there are quote-unquote turntablists guys that use the turntable uh, uh, a tool for djs but push the boundaries of what djs do on that turntable so whereas uh someone like uh Let's say Doctor Butcher. No, not not. Well, uh, I'm thinking <laughs> before I get to Doctor Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mean. Uh, so <laughs> let's say uh, Little Louis Vega. Okay. For example, um, who might be known for his musical knowledge and musical taste and ability to mix and fuse songs together. Mm -hmm. um, that's one style of DJ, one one degree of technique. But then you have someone like Dr. Butcher, who you referenced, mm -hmm. the person that mentored me, who can not only mix, but literally manipulates the turntable like a percussive instrument. And so that is another degree of DJing. Um, so at its most basic, a DJ is someone that plays music, but Within that definition, there are a variety of branches. Uh, DJs that, that play music at a party, right. DJs that play music over the radio, club DJs, right. 
DJs that play music at DJ battles or competitions and 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 not just play the music but manipulate it right. and in real time remix a, a beat or rearrange the words of a song or take a sound and morph it into something else. Right. Um, I love so, uh, Jazzy yeah. Jeff. Like, I love Jazzy Jeff, Cash yeah, Money, Cash Money yeah. Hubert, Mixmaster right. Ice, Mixmaster Mike, mm -hmm. DJ Shortcut, Babu, right. Right. Rock Raider, Rest in Peace, mm -hmm. Mr. Sinister, DJ Precision, Boogie Blind. There's, right. there's a, a plethora yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of, of DJs that don't just settle for letting the music play, but express themselves through the music that they're playing and, and, and express themselves by the way that they're altering mm -hmm. the music that they're playing on the right. turntable. Right, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, I actually, it's funny, because you, you mentioned something about how, like, some DJs use this, like, use, uh, use the DJing as like a percussion a percussion element to it and, and I thought that was really fascinating and I read something somewhere that you actually for your 2010 record The Architect you actually found a lot of influence within Chaplin which is really interesting yeah. and, I, and I was curious about that like how you know like a lot of people don't truly understand I don't think a lot of people really truly understand the rich culture of, of how music can actually kind of merge from different places so I was curious like how did you understand where, how classical music can influence your DJing well the thing about hip hop DJing, mm -hmm. you know, you have you have house DJs, right. EDM DJs, techno DJs, hip hop DJs. Right. The thing about hip hop DJing is that what a millennial DJ considers hip hop mm -hmm. isn't what I consider hip hop. Right. So for me. The song Walk This Way by Aerosmith mm -hmm. is hip-hop. Right. To the father of someone who was born in the suburbs of New Jersey, mm -hmm. to that person, Walk This Way is a rock record. Mm -hmm. So within hip-hop, there are a variety of genres that DJs use as their palette of expression. Right. And and I'm, I'm talking pure hip-hop, not what people consider hip-hop to be today. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that Cardi B is, is hip-hop or Drake is hip-hop. But for me, Hip hop is anything that I take and manipulate. So if it's if it's hip hop is the for me mm -hmm. the the culmination of creativity, ideas, and musical tastes all coming together. Right. right? So it's not like I limit myself to a specific genre. I manipulate and flock to whatever genre allows me to express myself the clearest and in a fun way. Right. So if it's a jazz song, what I do to that, that jazz song and how I rearrange it makes it hip hop. If it's a rock song, the way I fuse that rock song with the following song right. is hip hop. 
it, it's it's so so genres don't really exist in hip hop. They're all kind of just everything's um, up for manipulation. You're teaching actually. Well, the way that you actually view hip hop music and hip hop, uh, it sounds very much so like the way that Bambada looks at hip hop. Mm -hmm. It's very much. You know, there aren't any sort of barriers that you have right. to be able to put up. You should be able to blend all things and actually understand exactly. how to be at peace with things around you. Mm -hmm. So I, I recently saw something on your Instagram which you put up something about the old gods, right? You put up something about Bam and, and, and Flash mm -hmm. and, 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 and Kirk, just talking about the originals and how it all, you know, delineated from that all the way down to, the, you know, the, um, the wizard, Grand Wizard Theodore. So you have all these different combinations of how they actually manipulated this particular sound and pushed it forward so yeah I, I don't but I, I actually totally agree with you I actually think that when it comes to hip-hop I, I always I one of my biggest because a lot of people ask me what I think about hip-hop with certain certain things and I one of the biggest things I always talk about is about how you know you had these young disenfranchised black and brown children in these certain particular places that wanted to express themselves in any way possible so they took dominant elements of a culture well they took small elements from a dominant culture rearranged them and made them into what they believed is hip-hop so it became its own culture mm -hmm. so I wholeheartedly agree with you about that I think that's a fantastic point that you made mm -hmm. so I but um but also you, you brought up jazz which is a really important point I wanted to make um from a lyrical standpoint uh Rakim has gone on, gone on like numerous records saying that like the way he actually advanced hip-hop style was like studying jazz records mm -hmm. and realizing how he can fit so many different lyrics within a couple of bars in order to group them together and create a more fast-paced, syncopated rhyme. So I was curious, like, do you think that like jazz music and DJing kind of has that type of crossover? Like, you like listen to jazz music, you're like, oh, oh, I see what they're doing there. I can actually flip it, flip, flip my DJ desk the same exact way. I think yes, uh -huh. but I feel that way about rock as mm -hmm. well. I mm -hmm. feel that way about soul and funk. I feel that way about you reference uh, how I put together my my album, The Architect, right. which is a fusion of what I do as a DJ on turntables, incorporating techniques like scratching and quote-unquote beat juggling with right. classical music. Right. So even classical music, I feel a connection and it resonates with me, the idea that someone could compose a piece of music and how that can inspire me to compose a series of scratches and figuring out how to phrase them wow. and gaining inspiration from a song from Beethoven right. or Chopin in the sequencing of my own creativity as a person that's manipulating a record. I may not able to it's a, the turntable is a percussive instrument, so I may not be able to achieve, you know, notes. Uh, I may not be able to like uh, create chord progression right. in my scratches the way someone playing piano would or violin. But the turntable is a percussive instrument, so I could still make rhythmic sounds and still, if I'm open-minded enough, still gain inspiration from whatever genre it is that I'm listening to. So it's not, the inspiration that I, I get and take 
isn't just limited to jazz. Uh, at one point, I was listening to a lot of jazz because uh, in, in the 1990s, jazz was a huge influence on, on the kind of hip-hop that right. was being created. Right. Uh, in that era, brand new man, tribe, right? Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, De La Soul um, mm -hmm. Arabian Rakim, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so they know. a lot of the producers were using the genre of jazz mm -hmm. as inspiration for the music that they were producing and sampling. Mm -hmm. So, I naturally gravitated towards that. Mm -hmm. um, but then there comes a point as an artist where you want to now challenge yourself and think outside of the box. And that's where I started to open myself to, well, maybe I should study classical and see how I could incorporate that energy into what I do as a DJ. So the more, you know, it all goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of our conversation regarding my, the lens with which I view hip hop it's not limited to what most think hip-hop is today. Um, I mean, I made a, a, an album called The Architect that fuses what I do with classical music. So anything that I listen to and gain inspiration from and choose to use or manipulate in a performance or if I'm working on an album, I consider hip-hop. Hip-hop hip to me is the 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 creative aspect of who you are. Right. That's what hip hop is. So whether it's figuring out a way to use your body to, to, to move in a rhythmic way to music, but, but also be an orthodox about the movements. It's not like you're doing ballet or um, the typical, what you would consider dancing. Mm -hmm you know, spinning on your head right. to someone else is, is an acrobatic move. Right. In the Through the lens of someone like me, it's a hip-hop dance right. move. You right. know what I mean? Right. No, so, I totally understand that. So it's like, that's the interesting thing about hip-hop is that from the vernacular to the art to the poetry to the music, um, it, it, it's it, there's so much room for self-expression and and redefining what something is right, right. you know so um, you can't really I don't know you can't really limit the inspiration that a hip-hop artist gets to one genre of music or or whatever because hip-hop is all encompassing mm -hmm. you know yeah that's that, that's a really fantastic point I, mean, I I actually that's one of the things I always say too is that uh, hip hop is just expansive art, you know. Like I, it's a lot of people, you know. I wanted. <laughs> I had a gentleman actually once ask me. He was just like, "What's the significance of someone like a, uh, a rich homie Quan or like a, maybe like a young thugger?" And I'm like, "They, there is a significance to what they do. They are a part of hip hop, even though like I, they're not like a quintessential like core to like what it originally was, but they are a part of it, you know, because." Mm -hmm. like, I have this theory that first and foremost, hip hop is very young still, mm -hmm. very very young. You have like all the old gods, all the originals, they are still alive. You know, we have a lot of the same cats that are still alive. Bam and Flash and Herc, they are still alive. So it's not really a matter of like what we can define it as, like per se, like con we can't make it concrete yet. It's still this expansive, you know, thing that keeps keeps growing. 
So I, I actually totally agree with you. I actually think that's a really fantastic way of putting it, actually. And, and I, I didn't look at it in that sort of lens. So, But I, I did have to ask you this. I saw that you have a degree in psychology. I do. This is, that's, that's dope, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. I graduated from Baruch College. Yeah. Oh, you did? Get out of here. Um, wow. My wife, uh, her brother, my wife's brother and cousin uh-huh. uh, actually graduated from Baruch as well. Yeah. So that, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I was curious, um, does, do you think that any of your degree in that field actually kind of plays into what, your DJing or any of your yeah, work? Yeah, sure. I get asked really? that a lot. Damn, and really? and uh, I do feel like what I learned about the mind, how the mind works, um, working in groups, Whoa. group psychology, yeah, yeah. how to read people, um, all of that helped me in my career as a DJ for sure. Um, you know, psychology deals with so much, um, personalities, uh, your sense of ego, and I mean, these are things that, like, as an artist, you're constantly dealing with right. in some way. Right. Uh, you know, someone gives you a compliment and you, you, your, your ego gets inflated, mm-hmm. um, or someone says, that was whack and your ego gets deflated, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Or working in a group and dealing with uh, the, 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 you know, when you're in a group, what naturally happens is people start to assume certain roles. There's that, the, the follower, right. the leader, right. uh, the outgoing, um, outspoken person, the uh, shy, quiet type. Yeah. You, you know, you you in any group, you you. It doesn't. It's it's not long before you start to kind of recognize who's who. Um, and I learned a lot about that working in, in group settings and, and when I study psychology in in school. So it's helped me a lot. And I, I apply what I learned for sure when I'm dealing with people, when I'm dealing with fans, when I'm dealing with myself and my own view of. Um, who I am, uh, my relevance to what's going on now with with art and DJing and um, all the other stuff, social media. Oh yeah, psychology plays a role in almost everything that people do throughout their lives, whether they know it or not. It's funny you you say something about like social media. I saw you recently wrote this piece on uh, Ambrosia heads. Yes. And that was a fantastic piece, mm-hmm. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you basically broke down like the gatekeepers of this art. Mm-hmm. You brought it, you, you, I remember you, uh, you first started off with like where it all came to you from, you know, your father and your older brother, like showing you crates and giving, putting you involved with right. this. So I, I was curious, like, uh, do you feel like you're one of the last defenders of this, like, particular craft? I mean, I, like you said, like, anybody could pick up, you know, can nowadays, especially the mobile DJs, could pick up just, like, a, a quick, any type of turntable and just get at it. Controllers, like, and sync stuff. It's not even a matter of understanding the ones and twos. I've seen, I was, I was actually at a spot the other night and I saw this dude that was trying to beat jungle. But all he was doing was, like, he'll, like, go to one deck and, like, press the one, the Q button and go to another deck, press the other Q button and just go back and forth and do that. It's, it's hard. <laughs> 
I was like, yo, what's good with this? Oh, that's not even like you, like the like the mad like grand, like grandmaster would be ashamed. Like he like he taught us all of this. Like you know, he made us into yeah. a science. Mm-hmm. So I was curious. Like, do you feel like you were one of the last people that are like trying to defend this art? Of- I feel I am. I, I do feel like I'm one of the last DJs that are. That are public, like mm-hmm. like that are I, not. I'm not. I'm trying to uh, measure my words because I don't want to give the impression that like I feel I'm like uh, I, that I was anointed the protector of DJing or hip hop. That's not what I'm trying to get. Your off. presence is so strong. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. That's the difference. It's not mm-hmm. like oh, you're known for hip hop and plus the, you know hip hop. Uh, DJing, MCing, you're not learning, no, you know, you know, you're known for like one specific thing, which right. is like straight up DJing and mm-hmm. being like stellar at it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I understand what yeah. you're like, I don't want to be acting like I'm the main cat that does this. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's easy, easy for people to, to spectrum to, dudes yeah. out here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and it's just easy for people to kind of misinterpret or or perceive right. me. In 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 a, in a negative way because I'm so hard on others that exploit the art. Right, of course, yeah. But yes, I do feel like I'm I'm one of the last mm-hmm. DJs that that would be considered a public figure right, uh-huh. defending the defending art, art, outspoken about the art. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm usually one of the first to to jump on a thread right. or. <laughs> You know, write uh, some sort of piece op-ed, if you will, right. about whatever buffoonery mm-hmm. might be, you know, looming over us at any given moment. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just don't appreciate people exploiting the term DJ, and I don't appreciate people exploiting the culture of, of hip-hop in general Agreed. because it's just it's the culture for me man like i would we wouldn't be sitting here speaking if it wasn't for the culture um i i owe so much of my success not just as an artist but as a person to to what flash and cooher and bambada and grounds of theodore jazzy j tony tone charlie chase Mix Master Ice, mm-hmm. Jam Master J, yeah. um, right. Cash Money, DJ Aladdin. Right. So many DJs have contributed and sacrificed so much of themselves for me to learn and further myself that when I see someone using the art to just either bank off it or or to to bank off it in the form of social currency right you know like <laughs> people like yeah not That's people like yeah because they're you know there are people that can't aren't talented they really can't figure out a way to make money off it mm-hmm. but they'll post videos of themselves doing stuff just for likes right 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 and for for facebook hits right right um and it's at the expense of a culture that and it's a uh and it's an original I'm sorry, and it's in a, it's in original, right. in its original days, I can't talk right now because I'm so emotional. Um, <laughs> it's in original days, like, dudes like Flash, right. um, 
Herc, you know the forefathers, man. Like mm -hmm. those guys were doing this for no money. Yeah. Just exactly. just for the, the love, love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once industry came into it, mm -hmm. uh, everything became, well, how can I make a quick dollar off this? And fine, like it's a it's a multi-million dollar, billion dollar in industry now. And um you know, I get paid to teach. I, 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 I profit off it as well, but I don't, I'm not exploiting the culture and, and I do my best to make sure that the students that I take on, I'm also educating them on the history of this art because right. I owe it to the guys that uh, lay down the, the forefathers, if you will, that, that lay down the foundation, the foundational rules, the groundwork right. for what it is that we do. Whereas you have someone else that may consider themselves a teacher or DJ schools that pop up throughout the country that really all they want to do is take people's money. And it's like, all right, yeah, sign up for these classes. Uh, here's a, today's class is going to be, you're going to learn how to drop out of one. All right, bye. Come back tomorrow. You'll learn how to do a baby scratch. Okay, bye. Come back the, the next day. Uh, this is how you arrange a set. All right, now take these other classes and you're going to learn this. And they never talk to them about why they're dropping out of one, right. who created the baby scratch, right, right. Uh, the DJs that helped the, the baby scratch evolve into the scratches that you hear dudes like Kubrick do now. Okay. Like the history part of it is rarely talked about in these places and that to me does a disservice to the student mm -hmm. and the history of the art overall. So um, I, I take I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm protective of the culture, so I take offense to some of the things that I see, and yeah, I do feel that I'm one of the last outspoken right. uh, cats. Um, and there are times, honestly, where I'm even conflicted about that, because I know that there are people out there that interpret m my energy towards some people as me, um, either I'm... Um, like rude because I'm, I'm saying something or hey who, you know who are you to say this person shouldn't shouldn't just do or go about DJing the way they want to like and to that I say um, I am an offspring of the, right. the, the, the guys that created this so it's like I don't know it's out of respect to those guys that I say what I say and go out of my way to make sure that people understand that there are unwritten rules, there's a, 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 a order of operations with regards to learning how to DJ that if, if, if I'm going to respect you, I got to see that you're respecting. Right, right. You know what I mean? I and agree. if you're not, then... No, I agree. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. call you out on it. It's quite funny, actually, that you, you said that because I actually, I'm, I'm that dude in my group of friends. I'm like, you need to understand the significance of this because not only is this like a part of my culture, but this is a part of people that actually have died for this culture yeah. and actually truly believe in it. And, it's all, and, and from that actually gave other kids a chance to survive. So exactly. without the Flash and the Bambada or like the Wizard or like any of these cats, we would get no Drake. Like sure. we, have to, we have to understand like how this all like laid a foundation, but also you have to understand how like a puff later foundation you gotta also understand how like big later foundation Nas did Maglib Doom like all different types of dudes that like came out of here and like did it in their own particular way that actually gave more 
credence to that that this is a, a true art form because mm -hmm. for a very long time, like like most things with that that black and brown people create, our stuff is not validated until white people take it. Mm -hmm. So if we we have to be honest and be be true to this and actually keep in mind where this all began and and teach this to the younger crowd. So like I like like you said, you're an offspring from this. So that means that you were. You're only about a generation removed from its its inception. Yeah, I mean, so I was saying, born, like, oh, right on the cusp. Look, I was, I, I was actually born before quote unquote it hit. Uh, yeah. Was, I, I'm, I'm, I was born in 1972. Uh huh. So, so, from what I know, as far as and there have been revisionists out there that have kind of uh, amended some of the the history regarding hip hop. But you know, I'm you know two years older right. than hip hop right. technically. Right. Right. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously I wasn't at the park yet mm -hmm. or anything like that. I was way too young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. um, my brother was yeah, part was of that, that first mm -hmm. wave. My brother's fifty one. Okay. Oh, so right. so he was you. a part of that yeah, first yeah, wave yeah, yeah. of, of when you know, hit. He, yeah, he I mean he was the one that would sit me down and right. be like. Rob, I just got this Grams of Theodore tape. Let's mm -hmm. sit down and listen to it, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna explain to you what's happening. Mm -hmm. And he'll tell me like what the breaks were. Right. That's the day when you just hear cats on the because that's the only that was the situation like back in the day when you would just have somebody would like find a tape from somewhere of like a battle. Mm -hmm. So all you all you would hear is like the crowd reaction yeah. to actually know who's nicer, right. or you or you could just tell by lyrics. By so that's it's it's quite quite funny because it's it's interesting. It's it's like this uh, see you know if you're there verse when you see it you know like it, you know like it's it's interesting because like the same sort of idea people have had for like uh nixon and jfk right people that say that people that were listening on the radio for jfk uh and, and nixon the, their first debate said that nixon won but people that watched the debate said that jfk won because jfk was like more clean cut good looking mm -hmm. nixon was all like sweating yeah. looking crazy so it depends so like this big division between what hip-hop sounded like and what it looked like with two different things so it, that's the parallel i'm trying to make mm -hmm. is that like for a long time people really didn't understand how to place it because it was still in the backyards and it's still underground and people mm -hmm. didn't know what was going on with it mm -hmm. so it's really interesting like you said like it was it's, it's an early form like when you first came around so like like and then as you said historians don't know where it, where it really began you got like king tim the third that could be the right, first right. hip-hop song or you have james brown well, well you so know, there's, there's thing, so many things yeah, yeah the thing there what i always say when people bring that up is James Brown, for example, considers himself the godfather, godfather of soul. soul. And no one that was either, you know, there, there are jazz dancers that were, that now looking back, we could see that they were doing moves that b-boys incorporate and apply when right. they dance. Right. But it's not like those dancers were saying this is a b-boy. Right. So so it you can't. Defined. Yeah, it wasn't defined. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, so you can't really. I don't know. I feel that. And hip hop, just the term itself, is actually a media concoction. Right. Um, I I speak to the elders of this art all the time about like the fact that Jassy J tells me, mm -hmm. Rob, wow. we could have called it the go off. <laughs> or or uh, to the break of dawn, like these are hip hop to the break of dawn, the go off, uh, get, get down. down. These are all terms that we would use and and 
apply whenever we wanted to describe us getting together and just like us having this explosion of energy where right. it was us DJing and the dancers dancing and the graffiti writers hanging out or or creating our flyers for, right. our, for our parties right. like we were going off we were getting down and and the party went on to the break of dawn right. you know so it's just that the the words hip hop that's what for whatever reason when the media went to the Bronx to document this subculture, mm -hmm. this renaissance that was taking place in the 70s in the Bronx, for whatever reason, the term hip-hop is what they kind of connected with. Right, so they started calling it hip-hop. Mm -hmm. and, and as you said, whenever industry takes a hold of it, of something that black and brown people do, that's the it I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, we end up usually just going along with it because right. now the industry has it and they're kind of uh, defining the terms with which who's getting paid what and, and we're trying to get a piece of the pie and all that stuff and next thing you know we just lose control of the culture right. um, and call it what they want to call it yeah. and, and, and operate according to the parameters that they lay out. No, the DJ isn't important anymore. Now we're going to put the rapper at the forefront and, and the DJ could just kind of be in the background and we just kind of go along with that. And next thing you know, Cardi B is hip hop. See, you know what I mean? That's actually funny you say that because I, I keep saying it's funny you say that because it's, it's incredible that you say that actually because I have so many similar views about this. Mm -hmm. uh, I was recently talking to a friend about how why I think 444, Hov's new album, is mm -hmm. so very good. Mm -hmm. I think that it, it, it's a very quintessential hip hop formula. It's very like, uh, he's the DJ on the rapper formula. It's 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 uh, you know you got Hove and you got um, D, uh, No ID making an album together, the two of them, just the two of them. So you have this shared vision about how you want to produce this album, which is clear hip hop, which is like DJ rapper. Like we we were both on the, in the sonically we're in the same place. We're going to make the same sort of art. We're going to keep it moving and we're going to create this art for the masses. So I think that. That sort of st sound and style and way of production when it comes to like creating music, when it, when it comes to hip hop or rap music, whatever you want to call it, I think that is something that's not really, you know, it's kind of lacking. Like people, I don't think really people understand <laughs> how it all kind of matured out of what it was in the beginning to yeah. where it is now. It's because, like, because, yeah, I don't think, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And to add on to that, mm -hmm. I feel as though people don't understand because they stop defining it mm. for themselves and let a record label define the image of the artist and who's important in the group and uh, what the value of the art is. Right. And that's the thing about when you throw money into any situation, mm. you almost lose your moral compass for the sake of mm. you got this bill you want to pay or you're, you know, you live in a ghetto and you want to get out. So you kind of, you're willing to sacrifice certain things. Um, so, me, I don't know. Obviously, money is important. You know, you, we have a, all of us, you know, are about our livelihoods and such, but um, also just, I don't know, having values and staying true to those values to me is the most important thing. And the money is always gonna come, you know? And me personally, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need to, 
I don't need to drive a, a, a Bentley or um, wear jewelry or um, live in a mansion mm -hmm. to feel happy. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, none right. of that stuff really defines or affect mm -hmm. my sense of who I am. It's my art that does Word. more than anything. You know what I mean? So, um, there, I don't know if there's enough of me <laughs> or people like me <laughs> out there. And I think that has a lot to do with why the art went from this thing that kids were doing to have fun and express themselves right. to, I want to get out of the ghetto, so let's make an album. You See, know what I mean? That, but that, I, I totally understand what you mean, and I think there's a, really, there's a lot of truth in that. I, that's what I, I think is the problem with this, is that uh, because black and brown children are so disenfranchised and don't have many options, don't have many opportunities to make something out of themselves, uh, I had a, there was an artist recently that said something about how I wish I didn't have to be famous to be important, right? Mm -hmm. So like we don't get an opportunity in society to actually do something that actually is worthwhile. So when we actually found this art that I can actually be, you, you, you know, synthesized and used in a certain particular way to get us out of these dire straits, a lot of people latched onto that and did not understand the, the, the origins of it and like in what ways it actually matured, as I said and as you said. So I, I there is a part of me that, that actually is just like, when I see a black or black or brown man or or black or brown girl that's flourishing because of the art, I'm like, go ahead and get that because in a lot of ways you weren't supposed to have it. You know what I'm saying? So like, but also in the same case, like, if you're there, realize that the reason why you're there is yeah. because this happened <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. That's what I saw. I'm I'm at that that weird crossroads, mm -hmm. but I, I I totally get you on that. But um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But I wanted to ask you like. Quickly, can you tell me um, how Dr. Butcher like took the time out and influenced you and like took you under his wing? Yeah, man. Uh, yesterday was actually Dr. Butcher's birthday. birthday right, um, I saw that. Yeah. So, in 1990, I made the decision to want to compete in oh. DJ battles. Oh. Up until 1990, I was just studying what I would hear DJs do um, on the radio and such. In 1990, I saw my first, like I saw an excerpt of of a DJ battle on Video Music Box. Oh, yeah. Um, Rob Daniels. Yeah, Rob yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and I was just mesmerized by what I was seeing these dudes do. And it was just like a small, like one minute excerpt of a battle, awesome. but I was sold. Wow. And then I went to the 1990 New Music Seminar battle and saw what I saw on the TV in person wow. Wow. and made a decision that I wanted to compete myself wow. and it's funny man not to sound corny but um, in the book The Alchemist there's a really cool quote and that everyone references uh, that says uh, when you want something the universe conspires to help you attain I agree what I it believe, is that you want I believe that fully <laughs> Yo, yeah, I believe that. my story epitomizes that quote so in 1990, I, I go to the uh, New Music Seminar Battle for World Supremacy. I'm there by myself. I don't know anyone. I'm, I'm, I was 18 years old. Uh, I had just turned 18 in May, and the, the seminar battle was in July. I went there, and I'm, I, I'm in front of like all of my heroes. Ice Cube's there. Uh, 
Flavor Flav, uh, Ice Tea, all whoa. these, yeah, all these like whoa, whoa. rap hip hop pioneers and gods are there. Yeah. DJs that I looked up to were there, and we were all there together watching these guys on stage killing it. And I was just inspired to 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 want to be one of those DJs up there, entertaining people and expressing myself. And I made the decision. I was like, I'm getting in one of these next year. I need to figure out a way to like do it. A friend of mine named Juju, Juju is a member of a group called the Beat Nights. Beat Nights. Yeah. Juju Cycle S. Juju Cycle S. So I went to uh, I went to junior high school with Cycle S. Whoa. And Cycle S befriended Juju, formed the Beat Nuts, and that's how I met Juju. Oh, snap. Um, and Juju, within, I want to say, weeks of me going to the battle. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny story. Juju called me one day, and this is after like months of him asking me to help him train. He wanted to learn how to be a better DJ. He yeah. has some DJ skills, uh -huh. but he's more into production. Yeah, he's an incredible producer. He I is. Yeah, he's super inclined as hell. He yeah, was yeah, all, like, totally. He's an yeah, incredible yeah. producer, yeah. But he just, you know, he felt like DJing was fun and he wanted me to train him and he'd be like, yo, Rob, I want to go to your house and practice and I want to learn how to do this and I want to learn how to do that. And I'd be like, come through whenever you want. And he would come over every now and then and we would scratch it up. Um, so within weeks of me attending the 1990 NMS battle, Juju calls me and he's like, yo, Rob, I've been practicing on my own. All the stuff that you've been teaching me, I want you to hear this routine that I came up with and let me know what you think. So I'm like, yeah, go ahead. He puts the, back then, you know, there was no YouTube, yeah. there was no, yeah. you know, texting a video. <laughs> so he puts put the phone yeah, down. He put the phone yeah. down to the speaker. <laughs> and what I hear from the receiver of my phone is the most incredible scratching and backspinning and juggling of oh. Welcome to the Terminal by Public Enemy. Oh. And I'm holding the phone dumbfounded, like, how in the <laughs> hell did Juju get so good? Like, he was just at my house three weeks ago and, and he couldn't so much as, like, do one backspin. How, how did he get so good in three weeks? And I was just like, what? And then he got back on the phone and he's like, yo, Rob, what do you think? And I'm like, yo, like, you got so good. Like, yo, dude, like, what? Like, how'd you do that? And he's like, yeah, I've just been practicing a lot of the last hour. He's like, the, he said something like, yo, the last hour, I've just been going crazy at my house. <laughs> and he's like, all right, Rob, I'm going to go back to, to practice. I'll talk to you later. And he hangs up the phone. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to go practice right now because... Juju in one hour of practicing just totally shitted on anything that I ever taught him. You're kidding me. Wow. <laughs> a couple of days later, I connect with him in person. Me, Les, Juju are all hanging out. And he just starts laughing at me. He's like, yo, that wasn't me. That was Dr. Butcher. <laughs> he was shit. Yeah, he was at Dr. Butcher's house and Holy him shit. and Drew... I didn't, I didn't know Drew at the time. Okay. Uh, Butcher. Yeah. Um, and Drew was like, yo, Drew, I want to play a joke on my boy Rob. Shit. So, yo, do this routine and act like, I'm going to act like it's me doing it. <laughs> so he did the routine, kills it, goes crazy, and then gets on the phone. He's like, yo, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, my God. So then when he confessed that it, it was actually Dr. Butcher, I was like, you 
motherfucker. Like, I was feeling so stupid and, like, the worst. Because I was like, this guy in one hour surpassed anything that I taught him over a matter of months. So I was like, Jew, you got to introduce me to him. Like, I got to meet this guy. Wow. Um, and he's like, don't worry, I will. Like, let's, let's link up on this day. We'll go to Drew's house. I'll introduce you to him. And, and you, you, got, you can practice with him. He's a good guy. Sure enough, I, I went over to Dr. Butch's house with my records. And at the time, all I aspired to be was as good as the guys I looked up to. Right. So there were dudes like Aladdin, mm-hmm. Cash Money, mm-hmm. Um, Steve D, yeah. whom I Flowers. Uh, well, Flowers was the way those guys. guys. Yeah, those, those, were, yeah, those were the three guys from yeah. that era. Yeah, okay. Jazzy Jeff is another one yeah, that, like, I I look towards mm-hmm. for inspiration. Yeah, he's whenever I would practice. So yeah, he's a god. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so I would teach myself the routines that those guys were doing, mm-hmm. and in my head. I thought, well, I'm good because I can do what those guys could do. Uh, so I, I, I took all the routines that, that I knew from Cash Money and Steve D and Aladdin and Jazzy Jeff. Routines meaning the records that, right. that they have routines on. And I, and I took them to Dr. Butch's house thinking, wow, I'm going to impress this guy with what I'm doing. <laughs> and I got on, did my, my best rendition of what Jazzy Jeff, Cash Money, and, and so on and so forth was doing at that time. Yeah. And then Dr. Butcher got on and did a whole, how can I explain to you? What he did basically <laughs> helped me understand that up until then, I thought what made me good was whether or not I was on par with what DJs were doing at the time. Wow. And he was completely original, completely authentic, super unique mad creative and I just realized like wow all this time I'm practicing to be like these guys and here's this guy that lives like a mile from me Dang. that that is cultivating his own style and oh. Dr. Butcher sat me down after we practiced he was like yo man you're good you just gotta learn to like tap into your own individuality I'll never forget that's soon as we stopped practicing he's like you're good Rob he's like you're good and I'm glad you came over and, and and just know that God put in you your own sense of creativity and skill you gotta learn how to tap into that because you 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 he was like you want to get into these battles next year right and I was like yeah yeah I want to get into the battles he was like you'll never Pass a preliminary round doing what other DJs have already done. He's like, you gotta, you gotta think outside of the box. You gotta be creative, dude. And I had I, my brother and and my dad who mentored me before Doctor Butcher never told me that. Wow. Um, and he, I would never forget like that one conversation. Just it, it changed my whole perspective on what I was put here to do as a DJ. And and he was like. Rob, whenever you want to practice, the door's always open. And I was at his house the next day, and the next day after that, and the next day after that, for seven months straight. What? Seven months straight till March of the following year. I kept going to his house to, to practice, and he would gladly, willingly, without a problem, invite me in. Sometimes his girlfriend was over. She'd stomp out of the bedroom, pissed that I was there. <laughs> he was like, don't worry about her. Let's practice. And he just 
took uh, took me under his wing and trained me for seven months. Uh, and I entered my first battle in March of 1991. Uh, it was the, uh, the East Coast DMC. Uh, placed third in that. And I remember I was mad as fuck because uh, I wanted to win or at least come in second place. Um, and Drew was like, don't worry about it, man. This is just one step. This is one step in the process. Um, continue to, to practice with them, continue to try to get myself at a level that I needed to be to win a battle. And one day I was at Drew's house. He pulled out two copies of Nobody Beats the Biz. And he was like, here, take these records home. I'll never forget, he was like, yo, take these records home. There, there's shit in them. What he meant was like, there, there are routines in these records that we haven't tapped into, but like I feel it. Uh, he was like, I was practicing with these records and I was coming up with ideas. There, There's energy in this song that you need to tap into and and figure out. Um, and I, I took the records from him, went home, and about a week and a half later, I came up with the whole biz routine, which today, people consider as like my my classic routine. Um, and I remember calling him and just like Juju did me with him, I was like, yo, listen to this. And I put the phone to the speaker, went through the whole routine, picked up the phone and he was just like, there it is. Like, there it is, there's you. You know, you finally tap into your energy and what your creativity is as a DJ. And, um, and he was right, and, and, and I used that routine, um, uh, the following uh, DMC, the 1992, and I won one. Yeah, so it's an amazing, so yeah, man, like, the, the universe does conspire, it really does, dude. It conspires to help you whenever you make a decision to do something. If you let it, and it's an organic thing, and you can't... You can't be obsessive about it, and you can't strong-arm God or the universe for things to happen when you want them to. You gotta just, you know, move and observe what's happening, and then and then figure out a way to just grow from whatever it is that is occurring at that moment, whether it's you got into a competition and lost, or you got cheated, figure out why that happened and how that's going to help you um, just be better for it. And that was my journey um, from that first battle, losing, coming in third place, to entering my second battle and getting bounced out in the in the first round, not even making, making it past the prelims. Wow. To, um, well, actually, it was, it was third place, my first battle. I got bounced out the second round in my second battle, and then I got bounced out the first round in my third battle. Whoa. Um, so I was going backwards, and it didn't make sense to me. In my, in my head, I was like, it should be a linear path. Like, right. the next battle, I should do better. And the battle after that, I should win. But there was a reason why I experienced those quote-unquote setbacks, which really weren't setbacks. It was just kind of like, incidences that were helping me pivot towards eventually creating the nobody beats the biz routine like 
Wow. Yo, the next battle I get into, there's no way a judge could just cheat me. Or there's no way the crowd's not going to understand what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to come up with the quintessential routine that gives no one any room for cheating. For, yeah, for and, doubt. For, and, doubt. And for doubt. And it turned out to be nobody beats the biz. That's crazy. So, um, that's so that's the relevant of, uh, or the relevancy of Dr. Mm -hmm. Butcher in my life, man. Like, I love that guy. He's a brother to me. Um, spoke to him last night. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he doesn't live in New York anymore. He lives okay. in Dallas, Texas. Oh, now. He to Dallas. Yeah, he went to Dallas. So I, I miss him. I physically, I miss him. <laughs> I miss being around him. Yeah. Um, but we talk um, often. And, That's amazing. Um, yeah, man. Drew, wow. wow. Yeah, he's a, uh, He's, he's my mentor, man. He's, he's, uh, he's been a uh, huge influence on me. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, as a, that's amazing, man. That's, that really actually gives me a lot of inspiration. I'm actually I'm still trying to learn how to DJ a little bit better, but I, and I keep looking at it in this linear path, like you right. said, and it's not that way. It's like, not, time is not linear. No. It's, it's just not the way you're supposed to look at no. these types of things. Not at all. And I think that's a really fantastic mm -hmm. thing to hear. Thank you for yeah. that, honestly. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm really quickly, I just want to roll, roll through. Uh, I, I have to ask you about Rock Raider. I have to. Um, because uh, as I, we, we, we talked before I turned this on, that and we said that we both lost our brothers the same year. So I, I wanted to talk about like, um, who, who who was he to you, Rock Raider? You know, like to me as a fan, mm -hmm. he was he was like this amazing, amazing artist. I remember I had I, I, I moved down to Georgia. I mean, I didn't move down to Georgia. Excuse me. I was in Georgia to visit my grandmother um, the year that um, Built from Scratch came out. Mm -hmm. uh, I, we were going to drive back up to New York and I had no money left. I had like $15 in my name. And I think I told you it was the first time I met you. And I was like, I'm using that $15 I'm going to buy this album because I wow. really want this album. Mm -hmm. And I used, lost, used my last $15 to listen to you. Wow. Rock Radio listened to, to Sinister. I wanted to hear what y'all were about. Awesome. And, and I have that album to this day. I have that album. That's awesome. Yeah, man. And I wanted to know, like, from, from my standpoint, he was this amazing artist. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing, seeing the video with you guys in it for like, for um, it's going down with Lincoln Park and thinking that, that was to this day my shit to this day, and he gave me something that I didn't know I wanted. It was this lust for actually wanting to understand the art that is turntablism. So I was curious, as your as he being your brother, who, who was he to you? Like, how'd you meet him? Like, when did this even? Well, I met Raider at my first battle. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, in the 1991 wow. East Coast yeah, PC. He he entered it along with other members of the X Men. The X Men. And he didn't move on to the prelims. Whoa. Uh, he didn't move on past, past the prelims. The prelims. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did. I made it to the finals. Whoa. But we met at the prelims and shook hands. And and um, I placed third in the finals. And the leader, quote unquote, leader of the. Um, I, I, I put leader in quotes because the group really didn't necessarily identify anyone as being a leader mm -hmm. but the 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 I feel like the person that like was most known most accomplished mm -hmm. uh in the group was Steve D mm -hmm. and he actually won he's the DJ that won that Whoa. year I placed third and a guy named Supreme came second Whoa. so uh Steve after the battle asked me and Dr. Butcher to go to his house to just hang out yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And when we got there, they actually physically asked us if we would be down, be down with the group. group. So we accepted 
and Raider and I went on to form a really tight bond. Like out of all the members of the X-Men, Raider and I really clicked. Um, I mean, I, 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 I'll be here for hours talking about his, his, his uh, what our connection is and his relevance in my life. Uh, the best way I can answer the question, you know, what is he to me, is he's a multitude of things. Um, he started off just being a, a, a person who motivated me because we would practice a lot together. Oh, cool. Um, and in practicing together, we, we both wanted the same thing, like a, a DJ title. So it's like we were both after something that only one of us could win at a time. You can't have two champs yeah. in one year. Um, so it was interesting because we were both after the same prize, but we were helping each other at the same time attain this prize that only one of us could win in a given year. It's very so, you so, can. Yeah, very you can. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it was an interesting dynamic yeah, because yeah. he was, Raider was literally my competition, mm -hmm. but, but your best boy, but my best friend, right? And and our connection, we would practice together, so show each other our secrets, nice. we would learn off each other, yeah, um, build off each other's secrets. Mm -hmm. He would do something, I'd go home and be like, mm -hmm. All right, I'm gonna take that and, and flip, it this, flip way. it this way. I would do something, he would learn it, and be like, Yo, look what look at what I did to this idea that you showed <laughs> me, and it, it never was a thing where. Either of us were upset about it or or jealous about it. It was just like, okay, now I'm gonna one up you, and it was just an awesome uh, connection because we started off as this like these two beings that that were after the same thing, but helping each other. It's just That's really amazing. interesting, you know what I mean. Whereas nowadays, man, you can't have that. It's, yeah. it's you know you're like doing stuff sideways to kind of get one up on someone right. and right. Uh, you're thinking for yourself mm -hmm. and you know like you, that that bond that he and I had it was just I mean I could define it in so many ways we were we were best friends um, we confided in each other a lot of personal stuff right yes um, each other support yeah we were each other's support system you know there were times when we would just go to the movies and watch chill i remember we went to go see uh uh rumble in the bronx together oh, nice and i'll never forget like i didn't have money for food and he bought a popcorn and like shared it with me Word. like like yeah we were just best friends but then we were also djs that wanted the same thing um so there was like a bit of competition there but it was positive it was a negative competition wow. you know what i mean um then we ended up recording albums and touring the world and experiencing each other through a different uh on a different level you yeah. know we went from these broke kids that didn't have money that just wanted a dj to like now we're touring the world and we're businessmen and right. dealing with labels and fans and yeah. our egos and all that right. stuff like our friendship was a journey and there were there were ups and downs and bumps um then there were smooth patches uh to finally you know me having to deal with losing him physically and what our friendship means now that he's not around but 
I still feel connected towards him. Like there, I mean, there's. I, it's hard to really even put an answer to that because right. the, it's still what he means to me is continually evolving and continually transforming itself. Um, so again, like I'm just glad that I'm able to. I have the platform to keep his legacy alive and and help the young generation of DJs understand who he is and how important, right. uh, important Rock Raider yeah. was and still is yeah. to, to word. the art. Word, word. Yeah. I, I have to, yeah man, like, <laughs> that's really amazing. Um, seriously, I, it, it chokes me up because like I, my older brother was that to me. Mm -hmm. uh, he, as I said, he, he, we weren't related by blood, but he took me under his wing. Yeah. And every, and every sort of like sense of my, like there's many senses of myself and my, many parts of my identity that are him. Mm -hmm. You know, like my love and respect and deep admiration for just hip hop and mm -hmm. comic books and like finding myself throughout those things and finding some sort of like gravitas and core mm -hmm. to those things. It's really yeah. just because of my brother. So mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, but uh I to kinda wrap this up, I would be remiss to not talk about um Rock Raider's new website you just kicked off. You yes. just kicked off his new website and I want can you just talk about Thank you for that, bringing yeah, that up. I yeah, appreciate certainly. it. Um so John Carluccio, a director who filmed a movie called Battle Sounds. Battle Sounds was and is the first documentary on battle DJs, the kind of DJs that Whoa. myself and Rock Raider were. Um, it's an underground documentary mm -hmm. uh, that John did this movie with two VHSs. Um, but it's it's amazing footage and it's an amazing story of like, you know, us in the 90s making a name and paving a way for ourselves just based off our talent and passion for battling. Um, so John Carluccio naturally shooting the film and, and with Raider being one of the stars of the film along with myself and a bunch of other DJs, mm -hmm. uh, John and Carluccio built their own uh, friendship. Mm -hmm. um, and leading up to the anniversary of Raider's uh, transition, right. uh, so we're now eight years into it. Eight years today, right? Uh, actually, eight years. Uh, yeah, eight years today. Um, I spoke with John about trying to put together some sort of project to honor him using... At first, I was thinking about doing something with some of the maybe unseen footage mm -hmm. that he shot. Right. Um, and we were bouncing ideas off each other. Uh, we went to a Met game. We're both Met, uh, yeah. Met fans, yeah. <laughs> and we were at, I took him to a Met game and we were just there watching the game, uh, vibing out, trying to figure out what we could do to honor Raider um, today, uh, September 19th, 2017. And John was like, so we could do stuff with my footage. Um, or he was like, what if we just make available the footage that because Raider had released his own DVD mm -hmm. collection. Oh. Um, through the point that he passed away, he was doing projects and releasing them 
Um, and he was like, well, what if, what if we did something just with Raiders footage as some sort of like an anthology that people could download and, and refer to or reference when they're, they're curious about who Raider was, like, um, and maybe we could do a site. And that's something that I was trying to launch before John and I even had the conversation right after Raider passed away. Um, I, I sat down with the people that at the time were running his estate mm -hmm. and I was like, we should do a page where people could buy like Rock Raider shirts and, mm -hmm. and DVDs and music. Yeah. Um, I don't manage his estate, mm -hmm. so I couldn't really do it on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and for whatever reason, it never happened. And eight years later, John and I managed to uh, speak with Taisha, who's Raider's uh, widow, mm -hmm. and uh, we were like, we, we want to do this, and we want to do this this year. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's eight years have passed by, and there's no hub for people to go to to know Raider other than YouTube videos. Right. Let's do something that's just Raider focused. Mm -hmm. um, and she agreed to it, signed off on it, and we started putting together the, the website uh, and uh, we started uh, back in, John and I got together, I want to say it was June, oh, okay. June, so it was like maybe three months wow. ago. Wow, um, and, and, moved and, Yeah, we moved oh. fast, we yeah. moved fast. And the thing, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, Candid, it, it took, it's way overdue. Mm -hmm. We could have made this happen years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just tired of waiting yeah. and I was just like, let's do this right now. This needs to happen now. And I would, up with, you know, the last eight years, anyone that has been following me on social media or my website, on the first 17 days leading up to Raider's birthday, May, May 17th was when Raider was born. Mm -hmm. And the first 19 days leading up to Raider's transition in September, I always, every year since the since 2010, I've done something to honor Raider. Uh, up until recently, for the first 17 days in May 2017, I would post a video, an exclusive home footage video that I have a Raider practicing, uh, with the caption of what the video meant to me and who Raider was, just for fans that are familiar with the name but really don't know Raider. Um, and I would sit here digitizing a video. It would take me like an hour or two to write something that I felt <laughs> yeah, that was captured complete. and, and yeah, complete, right. completed the whole right. concept of that particular post. Um, I, I created a project called Rock for Raider, mm -hmm. which was a CD mm -hmm. uh, of, of Raider's music. Um, and I don't, donated proceeds of the CD sales, of the CD sales to his family. Uh, like each year I, I tried doing something, um, but it was like, it, it would just last for that month right. or that small window mm -hmm. of time around right. Raider's birthday right. or around Raider's right. transition. Right. And I, I finally was like, we need to do something that people could go to all year round. Right. Right. All year round, they could just click on this website and buy, oh. buy a DVD. And uh, thanks to John Carluccio, who played a major role in helping me. Um, and thanks to Taisha, who signed off on it. Uh, we 
put together the website. Uh, big shout to the fans. I didn't have all the DVDs that um, are uploaded now on the website. Uh -huh. um, so there were fans that I reached out to on the internet, like, if anyone has these DVDs, please mail them to me. And sure enough, I, within an hour, people started inboxing me like, yo, I got this CD, I can mail it to you tomorrow, take your time sending it back to me. Um, so I, I got a bunch of DVDs that I didn't have access to. Um, we uploaded them, or I should say John uploaded them to this website. Um, and John also edited these short, uh, like one minute promo vids. So to just to help spread the word about the video. I have seen um, it. Yeah. Awesome. With it. So yeah, and I got the guys together to to, to take part in like some interviews and, yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's really dope, man. And um, uh, people could visit the website. It's we literally just launched it, so I, I don't know the website off the top of my head, the the full address. But if you just go to Rock for Raider. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if you yeah. Google that. I'm gonna put all these links in my yeah, in my bio. Yeah. Everybody's or, gonna know. Appreciate it. Yeah. For sure. Or you can go to um. I there's I built some uh social media pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, I saw. Yeah, Facebook, sure. Twitter, mm -hmm. Instagram pages. Rock four. Rock the number four. Rada. Mm -hmm. R a i d a. Right. Um. So people can find info easily and and do their due diligence and. Uh, take time to learn about this amazing DJ in person. Um, so, so yeah, man. word, word. I, that's incredible. Like I said, I'm going to be sharing that all over. Right. Um, of course. But to wrap up, um, I, I got to talk to you about comics, my man. Mm -hmm. I got to talk yeah. to you about how you feel about comics. Do you think that comics kind of like influenced you in some sort of way when it comes to your music? Um, I know you're a bit of a fan. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you mess with you, yeah, we mess, yeah, man. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. As a kid, mm -hmm. you know, any what boy doesn't read comics or, right. or buy comics? <laughs> um, I actually own the first issue of Wolverine. Get out of here! Uh, yeah, and and that's Claremont's run, right yeah, there. Yeah, Whoa. I just didn't really understand what I was holding in my hands at the time. <laughs> that's and, a big deal. Yeah, um, but uh. I'll be honest with you though, like I don't necessarily feel that there's much of a connection mm -hmm. with, as far as for me, mm -hmm. with the comic book community or world mm -hmm. and what I do musically. I feel more of a connection with like the martial arts world and like, Ooh. for example, like the right. philosophies of like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, Word. I add a lot of his philosophies to what I do as a DJ, but uh, that being said, you know, I'm still a kid at heart, and like, if an X Men movie comes out, I'm going to yeah. see it. And and when I'm there, I'm like judging everything. Like, this wasn't true to the comic, or this character isn't true to Wolverine, or whatever. That's um, really funny. So I imagine you watched like the night the the '92 series, like the X Men series from the '90s. Yeah, and yeah. Into that. Bang. Yeah. All right. So totally. for that being said, I got you. I wanted to give you this. Oh man. This is this is actually. X-Men 92. Basically wow. what Marvel did, they did this whole big storyline in which um, they did the Secret Wars all over again. Mm -hmm. And in the Secret Wars, they had different parts of like different timelines of, of like the, the characters. And one of the timelines they resurfaced was the X-Men from the 90s. So they made a comic book series out of it. So oh, everything, man. all of the characters talk like they do in the comic from the show. Yeah. All that, yeah, the whole style of it. Awesome. So I, I wanted to give you that one. I ran out this morning. I was like, I want to give you something. And I was like, let me get you that. Dude. I have like the rest of the series. So next time we connect, I'll give you the rest of the Series, but I wanted mid, to give you mid yes, mid condition. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to give that to you. I'm like, I can't 
not like I'm a huge comic book dude. I can't not come to the crib and not give me some yeah. X Men. I can't do that. I can't. So awesome. I had to give that to you. Thank man. you, sir. Absolutely, Appreciate absolutely, it, without a doubt, man. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but um, to wrap up again, um, if uh, just 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 can you tell me like if a novice D's DJ, right, or any people thinking about learning this craft, um, where do you think it would be a good place for them to start? The foundation. Mm. Uh, with internet, you could discover a lot of the foundational groundwork that was laid by the pioneers. All you gotta do is Google names like Herc, right. Cool Herc, right. Grandmaster Flash, mm -hmm. Africa Bambada, Grandma's Theodore, mm -hmm. Grandmaster DST. Mm -hmm. Right, DST. You can literally go to my website, right. djrobsmith.com. I, I, I write a lot about the foundation, the forefathers of this art, their relevance, um, the information is out there. F find the information, study it before you even buy turntables. Yeah. Because it's important for you to understand culturally why. These, these, yeah. Treat this. Why? Yeah. 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 So yeah. that when yeah. you go to get the lessons at the DJ school, right. you understand the culture in a way that the person instructing you doesn't even. Yeah. See, I, that's what I was telling someone. I was telling someone about. I was like, we were watching like Fresh Prince, and I was like. You have no idea the, the the importance of Jazzy Jeff. Right. You think he's just some dude getting thrown out of yeah, the house. He's right. Nah, he's not. Right. Like so, I had to explain that to people and tell people that. But also, I want to ask you really quickly: Would you would, like just this year we got DJ Pearly that won the DMC? Yeah, congrats, Yo, Pearly. she's the homie. Yeah, yeah like so, I wanted to ask you: Like, this is the first time a woman has won. Yes. So, what do you think it's, of that? Like, I'm you really proud. Yeah. I'm proud of her. I'm proud for women who paved the way before her Word. to win. Mm -hmm. uh, women like Jazzy Joyce. Word. Spinderella. Uh, uh, yeah. Women like, uh, so many, like uh God. What? Symphony. Symphony. From yeah. the V Junkies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cutting Candy. Right. Uh, these were females that competed before Pearly and made little dents, you know, and now Pearly came through and just made a huge hole, yeah, yeah, hole. for for other women right, to come through. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. So um, and Pearly is just a good person. She deserves it. Mm -hmm. I know that there were people that were upset. Um, uh, yeah, there were DJs that were upset that she won, but she earned it. She earned every bit of that championship title. And I think that she's gonna go to the world and and catch wreck. Right. She's a beast. Yeah. She's a little beast, man. And, uh, and, um, <laughs> And no one should be upset at her winning. That's if terrible. anything, people should be inspired. Be inspired right? Yeah, be inspired. Exactly. We're inspired. Yeah. I, I can't even agree more, man. I, I think because like it's the same thing. I think like because like DJing and hip hop has been such a male centric, you know, force of nature. It's been so male dominated. Like when we see women coming in and doing things and making dents, we like a lot of men take it to heart. Yeah. And it's like no, 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 sure. no, no. You should not. Like the the women have been here since the beginning. But we of course didn't showcase them. Yeah. So like that. So I'm I'm super super glad about that too. But um, uh, last thing, if you had any inspiring new words for any novice DJs, what would it be? Just have fun, man. Nice. It's simple. Nice. Have fun when you practice. Have fun when you're sitting down in front of your computer, googling information on on what it is that you're doing. Um, 
don't worry about when you're gonna make money, when when are you gonna start playing out? I I encounter young DJs, some of them are my students, and they're just like, well yo Rob, like when I eventually play out, and it's like, yo, dude, first master <laughs> these techniques. Don't worry, you'll play out. It'll all you know, it's it's little steps and you gotta be patient. I, I started DJing when I was twelve years old and I didn't enter my first battle till I was nineteen. Um, and between 12 and 19, I played my little parties and stuff like that. Um, and I was happy with that, you know? Um, I wasn't obsessing about what was gonna happen if it, and if I was gonna be this world famous DJ. I wasn't even worried about any of that. I was just having fun. And, and the fun was just kind of taking me on these different turns and twists. Um, and here I am. You know, so have fun. It's really simple. Just have fun. Have fun practicing. Have fun watching battles. Word. Have fun searching for music. Just have fun, man. Have fun, and when you when you're doing this for fun, everything else kind of just works itself out. You know. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much yeah, for man, your time, you. man. It's just fun, man. Yeah, man. Thank you Word. so much.